you excited this morning? Amen. Lord, we just thank you that we're here today in your house to give you praise, Lord, and only you. Amen. Let's continue to praise him.
do you believe it this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood that you shed for me. I am your child, God, and you do provide. We thank you for that, Lord.
3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now, the grace of God is literally the best news you, you would ever, ever have in your life. And maybe this past week you've gotten a lot of bad news. I don't know. Maybe a lot of things were disappointing this week or things happened that you didn't expect. But today is a day of good news. And if you don't know Jesus today, our prayer as a church is that you would consider him today. Think about who he is and, uh, and put your hope and trust in him. Amen? We are so glad to see you today. And, you know, Pastor Brandon and I will not be offended. I mean, last week when Pastor was gone, it was pretty sparse. Now he's back and you're here. And I'm just, I don't know if there's a connection or correlation. I'm not sure if there is, but we're, we're, we're awful glad that you're here today. And uh, I would encourage you, let's take a few minutes and uh, greet each other. Uh, God bless you this morning. Well, it is great to see you. Hopefully, you've been able to see some people this morning, meet some new people, or see somebody you hadn't seen in a while. If you are our guest today, we would love it if you would fill out, complete one of these guest connect cards, and uh, if you would, at the conclusion of our worship time, bring it out to the lobby and bring it to our guest services table. They would gladly receive this from you. And uh, we promise we won't harass you or give it. We just want to say thank you. So if you could do that for us, that would be fantastic. Ushers, as you faithfully do this every week, we appreciate you ladies and gentlemen that are part of that team. Uh, let's pray a blessing over this time of worship as we give. Lord, we come to you today with grateful hearts. We come to you today recognizing uh, the fact that you are Lord over everything, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so we give today in that recognition and uh, we give with grateful hearts of all you have provided, looking forward to the things that you're going to do through these gifts. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
Thank you, worship team. Hey, and just to let you know right now, we're going to be receiving communion a little later on. So if you haven't grabbed a cup in your row, make sure you have one of those now. This is the perfect time to get one. Hey, some announcements coming up. Fourth of July is coming this Tuesday. And so what that's going to do um, is we are, actually there'll be no Wednesday night programs, no Rangers, no girls ministries, no adult study. There'll be nothing happening here Wednesday evening. Everybody good on that? Everybody heard that? Okay, just to let you know. There'll be nothing happening. Uh, enjoy time with your family. Maybe some of you are going to be uh, heading out of town, but that is going on this Wednesday night. And um, uh, we have a new adult life group in the morning, Sunday mornings, a new series starting the seven C's of his story by Steve, uh, Steve Steffels leading that. Make sure you head on out. You don't want to miss those opportunities. Uh, praise youth this Friday night. And uh, if, you have, if you have a son or a daughter that's a part of our youth ministry, raise your hand. Or a grandchild, or a grandchild, okay? Now, this is super important. If you show up at 7, we will not be here. I am vigilantly contacting every parent, every parent. We're leaving at 5.30 p.m. We're going to be heading down to one of our uh, fellow Assembly God churches down in Dover, uh, Calvary Church. We're going to be joining their youth ministry and a couple others from our section. We're going to have a color wars night with all the different color powder and all that stuff. That's going to be an interesting time. And uh, so that'll be, we're leaving here at 5.30, but we'll be back for our normal 10 p.m. pickup. Okay, so normal 10 p.m. pickup is normal, just like, just like always. But for our leaving, we're leaving at 5.30, thank you. Not 7, 5.30, so make sure you wear that. Change of clothes, please, backpack with all change of clothes. We're not getting back in these vans uh, with, with color all over us and powder and a lot of stuff. Anyway, so that's happening this Friday night. A special thank you to all that were involved in our VBS this past week. We had, we had some great volunteers this past week. We appreciate you. Would you give them a hand this morning? <laughs> Miss Lucy led them and uh, uh, our team, and it was just a really, really great week. We appreciate her, appreciate all of our volunteers. We had, again, a very good week. And then a really important announcement uh, concerning a series we have coming up during our Wednesday night adult study. We're going to be doing a series called Compassion Without Compromise. And how many know that you can be compassionate and not compromise? It's, it's something that I think we, we think we need to choose one or the other. Uh, Dr. Linda, 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 it's my Massachusetts coming out. Linda Seiler. We, we leave ours out where there should be and we add them where they don't belong. I don't know. But anyways, Linda Seiler is going to be um, she's going to be uh, on, on recorded messages. She's going to be sharing some things. Here are some of the topics, okay? Here are some of the topics. First of all, she's going to give, her, first we give her story. And uh, her story is um, a transformed transgender. And I'm just reading from the information that she has given. I've heard her story, heard her in person. Uh, week, two will be, week two will be homotextuality, how pro-gay advocates revise the Bible. Uh, week, week three will be spiritual warfare and uh, addresses why natural efforts won't defeat a supernatural enemy. Uh, week, week four will be, is there a gay gene? And she looks at that, is there a gay gene? And uh, setting the record straight, number five will be a pastoral perspective. And this is uh, not just for pastors, uh, it's for everyone, but walking someone through the healing process. And then lastly, practical tips, reaching friends and family who embrace a gay identity. And so if this is something, which actually, no, it's not if. This is something that um, 
uh, would be helpful, useful, powerful uh, in your life. Uh, maybe maybe uh, uh, um, homosexuality or um, gender confusion has been a part of your history. This is a great tool to be able to put in your hands. Um, maybe you have children you're raising or grandchildren. This is great information, not just to have information, but to know how to be compassionate and yet at the same time have uh, no compromise in your life. And so, again, this is a great opportunity. It's beginning, not this Wednesday, because no one's going to be here this Wednesday. It's beginning the following Wednesday, the 12th. Okay, everybody good on that? The 12th, it'll begin. And uh, again, I believe the Spirit of God is going to be here in a powerful way as we read His Word, because that is our source, right? That's what we stand on. And uh, so you do not want to miss that night. Uh, we have a video we'd like to show you as we recognize the celebration of the 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. I wasn't going to say 4th of July because what I just found out, and I want to share this trivia with you, is that it's supposed to really be today, July 2nd, not July 4th. How many knew that? Wow. Educated crowd. I'm just going to read this a little bit. It says, on July 3rd, 1776, John Adams wrote to his wife, Abigail, of how the second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorable epic in the history of America. And it ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward forevermore. And so it seems, I'm going to read the rest of it, it seems the founding father felt pretty strongly that July 2nd, should be recognized as the landmark date of this young nation's founding. So what happened was the next year, they decided to celebrate, and they couldn't get things printed in time, so it became July 4th. That's, that's unbelievable. But anyways, we've been celebrating it for a number of years now on the 4th of July. But today is the actual day, so happy Independence Day. That's better. That's better. 
And this week, we are celebrating our nation's 247th year of independence. Imagine how we're going to have 250 years in just a few. And so obviously, I'm going to bring to you today a message on freedom, and I'm going to do it in the context of the series that I began just a few weeks ago called Jesus Said. Jesus Said. And and what's great about this is that Jesus, during his earthly ministry, spoke on the topic of freedom. And his very own life and death and resurrection makes freedom a possibility, makes freedom a reality for any one of us. Amen? And I want to explore two things today through today's message. First, I want us to consider, I want you to understand that there is a darker and deeper captivity, meaning absence of freedom. There is a deeper and darker captivity that exists that is more severe than any physical bondage known to man. In other words, physical captivity isn't the only type of captivity. And secondly, because of this deep, dark captivity, I want us to acknowledge that Jesus provides a freedom that supersedes any type of physical, emotional, or spiritual bondage. Again, captivity bondage is not limited just to the physical. There is a spiritual aspect to captivity. There is an emotional aspect to captivity. Well, I want to, let's, let's, let's take a look at a definition of freedom. I'm looking at Merriam-Webster's dictionary. It says that freedom is the quality or state of being free, such as the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action. It is liberation from slavery or restraint from the power of another. And it is the quality or state of being exempt or released usually from something onerous. And there are so many ways that freedom can be manifested in our lives. And specifically, there are many ways that we do this in our thought life. That's where it begins, meaning our hopes and our dreams, our ambitions and our desires. For example, every now and then, someone will comment, and I'm sure you've heard these statements. Maybe you even have made this statement, but but I've heard this. Someday, I'm going to be my own boss. I'm tired of being a slave where I work. I want to start my own business. How many, you ever hear that? Maybe you've even thought it. Or then there's the preteen or the teenager who might lament and express a similar desire. I can't wait to be old enough to move out. (laughs) Mom and dad, yes. And I can't wait to move out, get away from my parents. I I want to be on my own. I want to run my own life. I think we've all said that or thought it. And of course, there are many other expressions that can indicate a desire to be free. But you see, we basically equate freedom with being in charge. We, 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 we think that being independent is synonymous. Being our own person is the same thing as being free. And by the way, I've known people who actually did go out and start their own business after making that statement. And then quickly found out that they have a horrible boss. I mean, really, that now they're a slave to the very business that they started that was going to give them so much freedom. And they now have less personal freedom than they did when they used to go to work from nine to five. And of course, teenagers also eventually learned that it wasn't so bad at mom and dad's house. Because being on your own, you know what? It really doesn't feel so much like freedom 
when the bills keep flying towards you and you have to do your own laundry and you have to think of meals to prepare? Again, we tend to equate freedom with being in charge, being independent, being our own person. And you see, this is because the freedom that we humanly desire is something that is all privilege and no responsibility. It's 100% pleasure and 0% effort. Now, you all know, if you're old enough, you know that's not reality, right? Where it's all pleasure and no effort. It's all privilege and no responsibility. We want freedom from everything that we don't like or don't want to do or don't want to be involved in. And that is something when analyzed is defined in Scripture as willfulness. The biblical word might be iniquity. Iniquity. You see, our human understanding of freedom is flawed. That's, that's, the, that's the crux of the matter here. From the very beginning of the creation of the garden and from the, and from the arrival of Adam and Eve and their failure. And what I'm trying to say is that we were never meant to be our own boss even when we were created. When the first man and first woman were created, God created them. They were not meant to be their own boss. We were never meant to think of ourselves as sovereign, meaning disconnected from all other influence. Originally, mankind, Adam and Eve, mankind was created to be under, listen carefully, under and in relationship with the Father. Every human being is meant to be in relationship with Almighty God. With a Heavenly Father who had provided for their every need in the garden. Prior to the fall of mankind, the garden was perfect and Adam and Eve were dependent upon their Creator Father. But with man's desire to be like God, that's when everything fell apart. Adam and Eve's willfulness led to their sin against God. Amen. And so the struggle remains and the deception remains that we can be free of anything. That we can be free of any outside influence. You know that's not true. And they believe that they could be like God or maybe be God. And that is just not possible. It's not true as well. Satan had that delusion before he fell. And he sold that delusion to Adam and Eve in the garden. That you can be just like God. God is the only sovereign. God is the only one who is not influenced by anyone. He is king of kings. He's Lord of lords. He is the only true God. Bob Dylan got it right in 1979 when he's saying you got to serve somebody, either the devil or the Lord. That's it. You see, I want you to understand that even when you think that, even when we think that we're serving ourselves and our own whims and our desires, when we're living only for ourselves and our own pleasures, you know what? We're actually putting ourselves under subjection to the prince of this world. We're not in charge. You see, we cannot change our position as subordinates. We will always be subordinate, but we can decide who we're going to serve. We are not, we're not able to come out from under our subjection. But we can decide who we're going to be subject to. And I want you to listen how the Apostle Paul wrote about this truth, keeping in mind that this is God's word to us through the Apostle. This is Romans 6, verse 15, should be up there. What then shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know 
That when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one that you obey. Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and become slaves to righteousness. You're going to have to serve somebody. Either it is sin or it's righteousness. Either it's Satan or it's God Almighty. You have to serve someone. You're going to be subject to someone. You are never going to be completely free in and of yourself as a sovereign in the way that God is free. I hope you can see how clear it is. I mean, we, we become slaves to whomever we choose to obey. You choose. You get to choose. We have the ability to choose who is going to be our master. And the closest that we'll ever come to being free, and I mean truly free, is when we become slaves to God. True freedom is found in the heart of a person who is a slave to Christ. I need some amens on that one. I'm telling you, true freedom is found in the heart of a person who is a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's real freedom. And here's the thing, this decision shouldn't be that hard because if you know Jesus is your Lord, and I, you know, 99% of us at least do in this right now in this service, uh, you know, if you know Jesus is your Lord, then you know that he truly is a, a good shepherd, amen? He's a good master. Who, and, 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 and I mean, unlike Satan, who is ruthless and jealous of you, not jealous for you, he's jealous of you. He hates what you have. You have the promise of eternal life because of what Jesus did. He lost that privilege and he'll never regain it. John 10, 10 says it all. The thief, meaning Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. You don't want him as your master. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and life to the fullest. That's who I'm going to serve. Uh, you know, you don't have to be, you really don't have to be intelligent to see the difference. You see, Jesus is the faithful and true liberator. And that was predicted in the Old Testament by the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before it actually happened. But in Isaiah chapter 61, beginning of verse 1, Jesus is reading this in the synagogue. This is from Isaiah, but he actually reads it in the synagogue one day. And you'll find it in the Gospels as well. But this is Isaiah 61, verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom, freedom for the captives and to release from darkness, release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Among all the good things that Isaiah promises in this passage for the redeemed, verse 1 tells us specifically that Jesus comes to proclaim freedom for the captives. To release us from darkness as prisoners. I want to remind you that we live in a dark world. I mean, it's a lost world. It's a sick world. It's a sinful world. But it's, it's a terribly dark place. 
because it's under the influence of Satan. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make him bigger than he is. I'm just saying it's, it's reality. The reason that we as Christians think so differently is because we're not under that same influence. And the word tells us in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, that the God of this age, meaning Satan, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And Jesus... Only Jesus, only Jesus is the one who sets us free from captivity and blindness. Well, listen, this series is titled Jesus Said. And I haven't read a single word Jesus said yet. Uh, we read from Paul, we read from Isaiah. And so I want us now to look at the Gospel of John. We need to see what Jesus has to say about this. And note, are you going to notice all the red words in a moment? John chapter 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said. Jesus said. That sounds good in itself, doesn't it? Jesus said. If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. And then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. Now, you know, right there, right there. Think about it. Okay, okay. You do know that Abraham's descendants were slaves in Egypt. Anybody? Hello? You know, that's, that's like first grade Sunday school. What a bold lie. They answered him. They answered Jesus. We are Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you that I've seen in the Father, that what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you've heard from your Father. What a powerful passage. And so beautifully simple and concise. We learn two related truths in this passage. First, the truth shall set you free. I mean, there's a whole sermon right there. Because, you know, not only do we sometimes lie to others, we lie to ourselves. And even if we, even if we present that lie to ourselves in the most benign form, we could call it denial. But let me just suggest to you, denial should, be, it should just be a river and a map in Egypt. Okay, not... We do. We lie to ourselves. Oh, it, you know, whatever it might be. And then we wind up in a different form of bondage. But the truth shall set you free. And you know what's amazing? We live in a world right now that is so full of lies and corruptions. You know, whether it be down in our nation's capital, at the state level, where you work, in our schools, the lies that continue, not, not only perpetrated, but they, somebody, keep, somebody, Satan, keeps creating new lies. There's only one truth. His name is Jesus. There's only one truth. The truth shall set you free, and Jesus is that truth. He said he was the truth because he said he was the the way and the truth and the life. He said he was the truth. 
And secondly, if we're set free by Jesus, then we're really free. We're really free. Freedom can be so elusive. I mean, its very definition is deceptive. And yet it's the number one desire of all peoples throughout all of history, every period of history. It's been the desire of every human heart. It seems as though every struggle between peoples has been over the issue of wanting to be free. The most current struggle going on in the world today is between Ukraine and Russia. Ukrainians want to remain free of Russian communist oppression. And they're willing to die for that freedom. Just like our predecessors did in our nation 247 years ago. That's how badly they wanted freedom. We all want to be free. We all want to be free. We all want to be free to do whatever we want, whenever we want. And yet there are always going to be restraints. I'm assuming that we live in the most free nation of the world. But even then, in everyday life, guys, there, is, there, there are restraints. There are restraints to your freedom. Your freedom ends where my freedoms and rights begin, at the very least. You know, we can't do everything we want because there might be some legal restrictions. You can't do everything you want. Legal restrictions. There might be some moral restrictions. Hello? There might be some financial limitations. We might also have limitations in our, in our own abilities, which keep us from doing certain things we'd like to do. I mean, life circumstances can crimp our style sometimes. There are some things we just can't do because they're beyond our abilities. There's all kinds of limitations to our freedoms. Freedom from a tyrannical government is a worthy desire, though. Okay, I mean, there are some natural limits to what we can do. But I'll tell you, I'll go on record, and we live in this, and hopefully we'll continue to enjoy it for many more years should Jesus, you know, not come back tomorrow. Freedom from a tyrannical government is a worthy desire. Freedom from a low-salaried job is a worthy desire. You should, be, you should want to, to do better in your life. Wouldn't it be great to be free of the burden of taxation? Our founding fathers fought against that 200 years ago. As I stated in the beginning of this message, though, we can never be completely and totally free. The world won't let us. And it's not part of heaven's economy either. Because we have got to serve somebody. The only way to taste freedom, real freedom, to some degree, is to know and to be connected to Jesus. And I'll tell you, if, if you only have two options concerning servitude, then Jesus is the obviously the better choice. Amen? He's obviously the better choice. Again, I want to warn you, the world, the world, worldly thinking is deceptive in this issue. Worldly thinking leads us to believe that we can achieve freedom and autonomy by striving for it. Chase after it. But the truth is, that without Christ, you're going to remain in captivity. And it's, it's captivity to the prince of this world. And any freedom that we imagine is completely false. It's a delusion. Again, as I quoted a little bit ago, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it is the truth that will set you free. The truth in the personhood of Jesus Christ. And then he also said, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. You're free indeed. You're, and, and that word indeed, I looked it up in the Greek New Testament. You know what it means? It means you're really free. Now, it, it, I mean, you know, you're free indeed. No, it means you are really free. You're the most free that you could ever be if you're a slave to Jesus Christ. I love this. 
So on a daily basis, we might strive for freedom from so many hours at work. You know, again, you don't like where you work? You know, don't quit your job, but go look for something better. You have that freedom. Maybe you're going through a tough work situation. Same thing. We might seek freedom from chafing under parental rules. And Jesus can help us with both of those. But you know what? Concerning freedom, there's so much more that he can help us with. He can set us free from anxiety and fear. He can set us free from addiction. He can set us free from envy. He can set us free from faulty thinking. He can set us free from jealousy and idolatry. You know, I mean, the list goes on. And he promised to set us free if we would become his slave. I want to close one more passage of scripture. Second chapter of Hebrews, Hebrews 2.14. It says, now since the children have flesh and blood, that's you and I, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not the angels he helps, but the descendants of Abraham. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God in order to make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. On this Independence Day week, or Independence, I want you to remember, above anything else, Jesus is our liberator. If the sun sets you free, you're really free. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for Jesus, your son, sent into this world to proclaim freedom to the captives. Isaiah 61 Freedom for the captives. To loosen the bonds that held us as prisoners in darkness. And you've done that in each one of our hearts, each one of our lives. Lord, and God, I think sometimes, just like we do with our earthly freedoms, we take it for granted. That we don't have to be in bondage to fear and anxiety and worry and temptations and addictions. You've really set us free. All we have to do is give ourselves to you. We have to be subject to you. And when you're our master, you will protect us from the evil one. You'll protect us from the enemy. That is your obligation, Lord, as we serve you. And Lord, I thank you that you are the way and the truth and the life. That we can follow you because you're the way. We can believe you because you're the truth. We can accept the fact that we will live forever because you are life, eternal life. And friends, I want every one of us praying right now, just just in case. There may be someone here this morning and they don't know Jesus Christ as Lord. 
And you need to. You need to to be set free, to really be free. And so I'm wondering, is there someone here this morning, you're not really free. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. And he wants you to follow him. He wants you to believe in him as your Savior. To receive the freedom that he has for you. You're going to serve somebody. You're either going to live the way the enemy, the devil would want you to live, or you're going to live the way that Jesus would want you to live. Life and to its fullest. And so again, with every head bowed, eyes closed, is there someone here this morning to say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. I don't know him as my Savior. I don't know him as my Lord. But I, I, I'm, I want to ask him to come into my life today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand where you're seated? No one's looking around except me, but if, if just raise your hand where you're seated. And this will be your opportunity to, to meet the truth face to face, to believe in him and to live in total freedom. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for this moment. And Lord, we, we, we do. We commit ourselves to you again today. Lord, every one of us in this room, Lord, we give ourselves to you as slaves to you, Lord Jesus. Servants, subjects. We accept your lordship this morning. We need your lordship. We need you to lead us and to guide us. Lord, to cleanse us that truth might reside within us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together this morning, and hopefully you do have the elements in your hand. I want to read out of the sixth chapter of John's Gospel. And this is where Jesus, he says some very radical things for his time, and they're okay for him to say, but it created controversy. And in the end, and I won't read it, but after we read two passages, it says many turned away and left him. They didn't like what they were going to hear, and now you're going to hear it. John 6, verse 53, it says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And we're doing this in, in honor of him. We're doing this in memoriam of what he did for us. Dying on a cross. His flesh crucified for our salvation. And so if you would take the, take the bread. I want us to pray. Father, I pray Lord that you would cleanse us right now of all sin, all iniquity, all unrighteousness. So that we would be worthy, and there's no other way except by your righteousness, that we'd be worthy of partaking of this piece of the loaf. Remembering, as you said just in these, in these verses, that we, we should eat of your flesh. Otherwise, we have no life in us. For your flesh is real food. Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done for us. We accept it fully in your own name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's partake of the loaf together. And then in the very next verse, it says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, 
so also the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Unlike your fathers who ate the manna and died, the one who eats this bread will live forever. Let's take the cup. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you freely gave your life for us. Even in the garden, you prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. But nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours be done. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for that example of obedience to the Father. I pray, God, that we would be obedient to you. That this cup, it represents a cup of obedience. And because of that obedience, it's a cup of life. We thank you, Lord, for the symbolism that's presented through the Passover and through the, the, this, this Last Supper with your disciples. And Lord, I thank you, God, that we can feed on you because you are our sustenance. Lord, again, we ask for your cleansing. We ask that you'd make us worthy today. We thank you once again for what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We love you, Master. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we can call you Master because you're a good Master. You are truly a good shepherd. And I thank you, Lord, that every one of us who has found you as our Lord and Savior, as our Master. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And once again, we thank you, God, for all you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray, God, your blessing on your people today, Lord. I pray your just, a, just an incredible blessing that we would walk in the freedom that you provided for us. Lord, that we'd be thankful for the freedoms we have as a people in our nation. And Lord, that we'd remember to pray for our brothers and sisters in nations where they're under severe oppression. Lord, I pray, God, that you would bring freedom, miraculous freedom in these last days to distant lands where our brothers and sisters are suffering through persecution. And Lord, again, I pray your blessing upon each one of us today as we leave this place in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.